Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast. This is Adam Rubicek. I'm here, as always, with Aaron Fleming. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. And Derek Swistak. Hey. We have been talking about uh, group projects. And we spent a lot of time in our, the last two weeks talking about formative assessment, whether it's those informal checks as you're monitoring intervening, maybe a little more uh, formal informative with some rubrics and some student self-assessment. But I think this week we, we really do have to talk about how do you formally summatively assess student learning based on those group projects? I, so we get, we, again, we get this question quite a bit, which is like, okay, I want to start grading the kids on these, on these group in the, in the, in their group. And I want to assign a group grade. And I think the three of us and the Johnsons would also agree that, that we don't give group grades, that, 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 that is not a thing that, that um, I would say that almost the Johnsons believe that grades are not a necessarily a motivating factor, especially negative grades. Um, everything that they do is on the positive side of things. And that if we really want to get at knowing whether a student understands something, we should probably ask them individually um, about their academic progress. And we have lots of evidence for their um, social skill progress. And we, we, we treat that grade as an individual thing. Um, I've always been a big believer that it's a, it's a very personal thing. Uh, your journey as a learner is a very personal thing. And, and, and I have to build a lot of trust with the student to help them know that I'm worthy of their trust to, to help them and be able to guide them and that I'm looking out for their best interests. Um, if it's just a, here you go and, and forget about it. I don't, I don't know that that, that, that pays off. Um, as far as, you know, assessing at an individual basis, that's up to you. Um, you know, you could do a, a written quiz. You could have them do a performance assessment. You could have them do a writing. You could have them do a speaking. You could have them present some things. But, you know, we, we would not advocate for giving out a, a grade that goes in a book or that goes on somewhere um, that would be the same for all students within that group. Well, and I like, I like how you say it, Derek, when you talk, when you talk about the journey, right? The, the journey, we help each other along the journey. We all walk the path together. We, we help each other along the way. When we get to the end of the path, that's when we show what we can do individually. And the whole message that I hope to give students every year is you're going to know what, what to do on that assessment. And, you know, like, you know, Adam and, and Derek, you always say, you know, whether or not it's that 10 question quiz or if it's, you know, an interview or, you know, manipulate this or tell me in another way, you know, however you you gain that that knowledge as to whether, you know, a student can do, you know, skill X, Y or Z. We have to show students the value in you're there because your group has helped you to get there because it's a process and a journey. And in that summative assessment, I think going back to our essential elements, having a group processing piece of the summative so that not only are we assessing those academic skills, but we are assessing the metacognitive piece. So that how did I work with my group? What did my group help me do? How did they make it so that I learned more and I can do better than I could without them? 
Um, so if we're building that within, uh, whether it is just a quiz where here's the knowledge that I gained from the work that we've done and the presentations that I heard. Now I'm taking a, you know, a quick quiz to, to demonstrate my knowledge. But then what is one question on here that you absolutely would never have been able to answer without somebody else in this room? Um, and tying it back to the work that happened in the group. And if we do that, that lingering question of why are you making us work together if we're just going to have an individual assessment at the end, the students can answer that question for themselves. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, the, the end assessment, the, the assessment, you know, that, that's individual can still be a celebration, right? Like it can still be something that we, that we are excited about. I think that for a lot of kids, um, and I think, you know, Again, if, if you're in the car, don't take your hands off the car wheel, the steering wheel here, but car wheel, uh, the steering wheel. But, uh, you know, raise your hand if a kid's ever been like, hey, what did I get? What did I get? What did I get? And then you tell them they're great and, and they go, oh, OK. And then that's it. Like they don't ever want to look at it again. They don't ever want to get better. They, they, you know, that, that's the end, you know, because we have sort of like conditioned them to, to see that as the end. And they're relieved that it's over instead of celebrating what they have and then seeing what more they can do. And that, and that again, I'm a science person. And so like the, the wonder of like, okay, we wonder about this thing and we're going to set up experiments and then we're going to look at the data. And we realize that the first few times the data kind of stinks and then we're going to build a prototype and then we're going to see what it is. And the data still kind of stinks. And we're not really sure if we controlled for this variable and we're not really sure if we did that. And we want to go back and we want to modify and we want to modify. And I think that's what we'd ideally, not necessarily that exact example, but that's what we'd ideally like to instill in our students is like that, that metacognitive, that reflective piece. And how do we get to that place and showing them that, having people around to help you and to have different perspectives than you to understand things from a different lens um, is really valuable to you. Um, like Adam said, that that's something that we definitely want people to reflect back on is, is the academic piece. And then also just like, how did people help me on this? And, and how could I help them better too? I, th I think it's funny that we're, that we're halfway through this episode and we've talked so much about the social skills where the, the learning piece is just a given. Yeah, yeah, they learn something, they learn something. I think that's how confident we are that in a properly structured cooperative lesson or, or a cooperative project, the students will learn. Um, it doesn't really matter how we measure that. If it's going to be a paper that they write individually, if it's a test that they take, if it is just a portfolio of work that we're confident that the students are gonna learn. Um, it's those, lessons outside of learning. And this is what David Johnson talked about in his interview, like that the learning was not what they set out to improve. It was just a bonus. It was an added side effect of ending racism and getting students not, to, you know, and getting people to be nicer to each other. And so when, when you design this lesson, I think keeping in mind that your students will learn. Um, it's very rare that you that a student walks into a classroom and they get dumber because of it, right? Um, we we as teachers have we're, we're good at what we do. We have there is there is a benefit to us being there um, in a well crafted lesson. So if if anything that we could we could tell you is that make sure you're spending time talking about those cooperative skills, assessing those cooperative skills, and and having students reflect on them. Oh, absolutely. I think that um, 
Yeah, and that's really well said, Adam. That is, um, I, you know, we talk about how, at least I, I kind of think about like that whenever anybody asks me, you know, what do you do for a living? It's like, well, I, I you know, I'm a teacher or I, or I work with students and, and, oh, what do you teach? I teach a lot of things. <laughs> I, I teach science, but I really like, that's not, that's not the overarching goal necessarily. Like there are, there are things that kids learn about science um, that they learn about the, the natural world and the physical world. But, but, but in, in all honesty, they learn a lot about who they are and who, who each other are and who, who we are. And I think that that's, that's the takeaway that we have, you know, having done this for a long time and having watched teachers really walk that walk. Um, I was going to say, too, that there's a lot of assessments that are outside of our control, um, especially on the academic side. So, again, trying to, trying to give students some agency, trying to give them some ownership, trying to help them understand how we are going to get through this together and that it's not a competition that I don't only give so many A's and I don't only give so many B's and we're not even going to talk about A's and B's necessarily. And, and we're not going to, we're not going to do that because for some students that grade may be a motivating factor, but for a variety of students, that grade is not necessarily a motivating factor. And we no longer hold the keys to knowledge anymore. Kids can get that knowledge from a, a variety of sources and they don't necessarily need us. If, if people want to learn Spanish and they're really dedicated to learning Spanish, they probably could find a way to learn Spanish. And, and, and if people really want to learn how to do chem and they are really motivated, they can probably find resources for totally free that are going to be out there that if they're super dedicated, um, but, they, but they won't acquire those, those, those social skills those, those practical skills that, that we all need in order to succeed, um, you know, in, in a multifaceted world that uh, has a lot of varying non-academic skills that are really important. You know, you, you talk about, you know, when people ask you what you do, and, you know, I know this answer because I've heard you say it many, many times, and you say, well, yeah, I, I'm a science teacher, but what are you really? you know, you're a teacher of kids, you know, you're, you're a teacher of, you know, how to interact with other humans and, you know, how to persevere and, you know, how to resilience and, you know, how to fit in, how to belong, how to help others belong. And those, those lessons, you know, the, the older I get, you know, are much more valuable than teaching 7,000 forms of, you know, verbs and conjugations or, you know, prepositions and, you know, you know, everything else. Right. I, I just, I just love hearing, you know, I've heard that from Derek, so, you know, so many times, you know, what are you a teacher of? Well, I'm a teacher of kids. And with that, I think we can wrap up our discussion of group projects. It, it probably didn't quite go in the way that, uh, that maybe some expected just with your background in what a group project is and isn't. But um, I think with a lot of things in cooperative learning, there's just a different different lens that we're viewing education through. So with that, uh, I don't I don't know what you're going to get next week. Um, I think we have to have our, our, our post-meeting uh, rundown. But until then, let's cooperate. Thank you for listening to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Please check out the show notes for all relevant links, including a link to our Twitter account and the Cooperative Learning Institute webpage. This podcast is copyrighted under the Creative Commons license, copyright 2021. 
theme music courtesy of Jimmy Ryan. <laughs>